following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've joined me today. Knowledge puffs up. It does not bring us to love. It does not even bring us to conviction. The devil has great knowledge without any conviction and without any love. I'm not an anti-intellectual. My undergraduate degree was in theology. My minor was in communications. I studied a great deal of Greek in my theological education at the collegiate level. Then I went on to a Master's of Divinity from an accredited seminary. I was constantly frustrated, however, at seminary, as I have been since then many, many times, because the emphasis seems to be on knowledge. Do you know the doctrines? Do you know this? Do you know that? Study it. Understand it. Yes. I think all of that's very important. I am not anti-intellectual. However, some of you will tune into this broadcast on YouTube, and we're streaming live there at nationalprayerchapel.com. You can connect, or you can go to YouTube and simply put in National Prayer Chapel and you'll find the video streaming live. But where I'm struggling and I'm trying to talk about this, some of you listen for a short time. You'll listen maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes. Some even maybe fifteen minutes. Some the full broadcast. And then you say, okay, I got it. I'm on my way. You're busy. You're about your activities. One person said to me, who listens fairly regularly, Pastor, you don't give enough information. You could summarize everything you have to say in 10 minutes. You could give us all of the nuggets of information in 10 minutes you don't need a whole hour it's it's boring i asked some other people the same question do you find that i don't give enough information on the broadcast and are you bored and they said no pastor you're not dealing with knowledge you're dealing with holy spirit your your goal is not to teach us knowledge. Your goal is to bring us into Jesus. Well, they're exactly right. And I would urge you to listen carefully to the entire broadcast. Because as you open your heart to preaching, faith grows in your heart. As you open your heart to the teaching of the scriptures, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to come in and begin to transform your life. 
and change you into the likeness of Jesus. Now, my commitment to you is that I will not teach just knowledge, but I will also bring to you clear choices about what you're going to do with the Holy Spirit. It will require, on your part, a great deal of self-awareness. Some people, I recognize, have no self-awareness. And so, when I begin to talk about the deeper issues of the spirit life, they don't know what I'm talking about. Sounds like foolishness to them. Pardon me. But it's not foolishness. And it's not shallow. I'm calling you to the deep, deep waters of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. I'm not trying to give you all of the doctrine of Scripture as much as I appreciate and value doctrine. We need to watch our doctrine very carefully. But there's something much deeper than doctrine. The doctrine simply is there to open the door for us that we might have guidelines to understand who Jesus Christ is. And as I've been praying a great deal about this, asking the Lord why there's not a a great response to this broadcast, because I know I'm speaking the word of God honestly to you. I believe it's because most of you have become very accustomed to five, ten-minute videos. And it's difficult for you to just settle down and listen and watch and wait on God. But I tell you, you don't come to Jesus quickly and easily. It's not based on knowledge. There is knowledge involved. But coming to Jesus is not based on knowledge. It's based on the work of the Holy Spirit as he convicts you of sin, and you turn from it, and you repent, and you are made whole. That takes time. And you can't just dip into this video for a few minutes and say, okay, I got it, I'm on my way. Well, you're you're on your way where? You're not on your way to heaven. You're on your way to a very busy and full life. But what do you do when your life ends? It's necessary for you to take time and pray and understand these messages. It's of vital importance that you be made self-aware. It's of vital importance that you be able to reflect on the messages that you have received and then begin to put into practice those things that you have learned. Now, I'd like to give you a definition of theology. Now, I learned in seminary that theology is the study of God. That was wrong. That's not what theology is. Theology 
requires a confession of truth. It requires being confronted with Jesus Christ and with your spiritual condition. Theology is not about the study of God. Theology is about how do I find God? How do I receive him? The second point of theology is reflection, where I reflect on what I have heard. And by reflection, I mean meditation. I mean taking time to think about what I've heard, of responding with, have I met that criteria? Where do I stand in relationship to this? It requires an understanding of who I am, of laying down my defenses, of laying aside my pride. It requires reflection and understanding of what's been spoken. That doesn't come quickly. That takes time. Third, theology demands obedience and putting into practice what you've heard. It requires change in my life, in the way I stand, in the way I communicate. Knowledge will not give you this. This is given to you by the Holy Spirit as he convicts you and and reflects back to you who you are. And you begin to see the scars of the devil in your heart. You begin to understand the things that have twisted your mind. You begin to understand that God is not your dad. God is not your mom. God is totally other than mom and dad. And it requires time. And it requires the opening of the word. It requires understanding. These things only come meditation and prayer and the reading of the word and listening to the sermon, listening to the message. Now I'd like to begin today by taking you to John the first chapter. John the first chapter. Let me read. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. And the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. The beginning of what? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created heaven and earth. He goes on. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. That life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or the darkness has not been able to overcome it. Now, the first verses of the Gospel of John are very intellectual. This is very clear communication of knowledge. But the devil knows everything I just read. And unless this knowledge 
morphs into meditation and understanding and practice and submission, that knowledge will do you no good. Let let me look at it with you again. In the beginning was the Word. In other words, at the beginning of the earth, the Word was there. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The creator of this world was God. That's an important piece of information because it begins to shape your worldview. It begins to give you the parameters, the boundaries, the outline of everything that is to follow. Then it says, through him, that is, through this word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So this word, who came as Jesus, it says, is the creator of heaven and earth. So we are dealing in the book of John, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we are dealing with the God of heaven, with the creator of heaven and earth, who has come now as a man to offer his life as an atoning sacrifice. His human life. God cannot die. But he offers his human life. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. That's an incredible statement. In him was life. That is, in this word who did all of the creation resides life. Nobody gave him life. He has life. He is life. Life resides in him. Life to heal. Life to rule. Life to create. And there stands in opposition to that life, to that light, there stands in opposition the darkness, the dragon, the rebellious Lucifer, who was in the highest position as a seraph in heaven, who has now rebelled against the Almighty. Now, Lucifer does not have life in him. He is a created being and he has risen in rebellion against life. He's going to soon see there is no life outside of Jesus as he is cast into the lake of fire in the book of Revelation. Then came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light or that life. He came as a witness to testify so that through him all men might believe. So the goal of knowledge is belief. To put my confidence in, to say yes, I do not want to be a part of the darkness. I want to be in the light. I want to live in the light. I want to live in Jesus. 
verse 8. This is John chapter 1, verse 8. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. He came as a martyr to the light. That is, he laid his life down to say, this life that you see is God. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The true light. The creator light. The life was coming into the world. He was in the world. And and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He came to Israel. He came to Galilee, to Judea. They did not receive him. That is, the rulers did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, to receive Jesus is to believe in him. To believe is to be connected with, to be like a branch on the vine. To have nothing outside that I gain any strength from. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You notice it does not say they became the children of God by accepting information or knowledge and then choosing to believe the knowledge. That was not what could save them. It was necessary, and John came to give that knowledge. But verse 13 identifies what it means. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So, let's summarize. In the beginning, in time and space and history, God began to create this earth. He created it in seven days. This word was the creator, and life resided in him. Everything that has been created was created by Jesus. It was Jesus at Mount Sinai. It's always been the pre-incarnate Christ through the Old Testament. People say, oh, the Old Testament, that God is a different God than the New Testament. No, it's not. It's the same God as Jesus. The difference is one was pre-incarnate and one the One was after he was born as a human being, the incarnation. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not been able to overcome Jesus. The darkness has not been able to overcome the church. Genesis 3.15 So John comes to testify He laid his whole life down to prepare, living in the desert as a Nazarene. He lived to proclaim 
the life that was entering into the world. This life came. He was not received. They rejected him. But those who did receive him, like Peter, James, John, and many others, they were given the right, the privilege, of being born of God. A supernatural event, not born of natural descent, not born out of human decision or a husband's will as children are today. But God gave us, Jesus gave us, the life gave us, the light gave us, the privilege to be born of God. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we've all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now this, this man John, he gives this testimony. In verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And all of Israel came out to be baptized by John. Thousands and thousands of people came out to hear John. Gave this testimony. Verse 32, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Now, what's all this information do for you? All it does for you is give you some basic understanding that you, if you believe the testimony of John, have the right to be born of God. It doesn't mean you've been born of God. You simply have been given the privilege if you choose to be born of God. There are many who would say, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. I agree with that. You receive him as the Christ, but you would refuse to be crucified with him. You would refuse to be born again. 
Jesus is very clear in his discussion with Nicodemus just a couple chapters later in John. John 3, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born from above. Now, it's going to require time. It's going to require meditation, prayer, fasting. You can't just say, oh, I received Jesus, I'm saved. No, you have the right to receive Jesus. But to truly receive Jesus means you must be born from above. You must be changed and transformed into a new person. Information will not do that for you. You must be transformed. You must be changed. Now, in the book of Matthew, we have a deeper understanding. Because Matthew tells us some of the things that John is saying. Go with me to Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, what does repent mean, literally? To repent means to confess my sin and to turn from it. Many today would say, I received Jesus, but they don't repent and they don't turn from their sin. And they've never been truly born from above. They're still flesh. As evidenced, if you go into many churches, it's all flesh. The hip-hop is cranked up. The pastor's telling jokes. The church is a joke. It's not a church. It's filled with pagan people with spray-painted Jesus on them. But they're not Jesus' followers. They've never repented. John is saying, this life is coming. This Jesus is coming. This Messiah. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So John comes preaching, repent, and he baptizes in water. But Jesus comes, and he's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and in fire. Follow with me. John's clothes, verse 4, were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Why is that important? Because for 400 years there's been no prophet in Israel. But suddenly, here is a man dressed like the Old Testament prophets. He is the last of the great prophets of Israel. And he looks the part. And people go out from Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they are baptized by him in the Jordan River. Baptize. What does it mean to baptize? 
word baptizo in the Greek. It means to immerse. It means to put under. We've convinced ourselves today that we can just sprinkle a little water on our heads. Sprinkle a little baby a little bit. Okay, now you're saved. No, you're not. Baptized. Jesus was going to come also as the baptizer. John was the baptizer in water. Jesus is the baptizer in fire, in the Holy Spirit, in power. John saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing at the Jordan. And he said to them, You brood of vipers, or you brood of snakes. You brood of devils. Remember the snake in the Garden of Eden? The dragon? He's saying, You brood, you child, you children of the devil. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now please understand. The reason I encourage you to fully listen to this message and to listen to the other messages is that you will not be deceived. You will not think that you have knowledge and a little emotional experience and that that means you're saved. It doesn't. John says, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, do you understand? If you're going to change your behavior, pardon me, if you're going to change your behavior, you're going to have to think about it. You're going to have to identify what behavior needs to be changed. Some of you lie. Some of you steal. Some of you fornicate. Some of you do pot, cocaine, obituate. How do you say it? Pills, opiates. Some of you are bitter and angry. Some of you are very disgusted that you can't have what you want. Some of you are desperately in debt, charging on, doing your own will. It's going to take time for you to reflect and say, what would it mean to produce fruit in keeping with repentance? See, fruit does not appear in one day. It takes the tree time to produce the fruit from the blossom. Now, it doesn't need to take a long time. It's one season. But you're going to have to begin to produce the fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance meaning, once more, turning away from sin, turning away from yourself, turning away from the flesh, the world, and the devil. It means understanding meditating and reflecting and then putting into practice 
those things that the Holy Spirit has called you to do and to be. Please, this is not a superficial work. Some of you understand this because I invite you to come on Sunday. It's either because you are already a church where you are rapidly growing in salvation and you've repented of your sins, or it's because you want to be comfortable and you really don't believe you have to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Some of you don't go to church anywhere. You're angry and cynical. Some of you just watch a Joel Olstein on television and think you've been to church. And you're utterly deceived. That's not church. Church is the body of Jesus Christ. It's a place where we learn how to repent. We learn what to repent from as we study the scriptures together. As we share, we encourage one another, we pray for one another. Are you a part of that kind of church? If not, then you need to leave the church you're in and go to a place that practices these things that I'm speaking of. Do you think you can say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God will raise up children for Abraham. Do you say, Oh, I was baptized as a child. Oh, I I attend church regularly. I always go to communion. I give my tithes and offerings. Now, that's not what it's talking about. It's saying, verse 10, The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. So when I come to this broadcast day after day, my purpose is to help you, to guide you, to call you, to repent. And then as that repentance begins to move in your life, to help you understand what kind of fruit the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. I'm not here to simply give you prophetic understanding. Prophetic understanding, knowledge, will not save you. The only thing that will save you is being born again in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that requires producing fruit in keeping with repentance. And you can lose your salvation by going back and rebuilding, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, rebuilding that which the Holy Spirit has destroyed. Because as the Holy Spirit begins to come into your life, he's going to bring conviction. One person I know, they seem to just float here and there. They're not convicted about much of anything, except they need money. They're not convicted about anything except, how can I be successful? Which is flesh, foolishness. 
Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Now, if they're not being added unto you, you have to question, Am I really seeking Jesus and his righteousness, or am I really seeking Jesus and his righteousness in order to get everything I need and want? And then you're just trying to use Jesus. No, it means literally what it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will supply you with what you need. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, we know already what the fruit of the Spirit is. I could quote it for you, but I'd rather actually read it to you. I'll turn to it now. Um, Oh, I'm in the wrong book. I'm sorry. I thought I had it. Paul talks about this book of Galatians 5th chapter verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love well that means repenting of all hate all indifference joy What's a joy killer? Lack of forgiveness to others. Pride. Arrogance. Thinking I'm the smart one. Some people actually pride themselves in their smartness. In their academic skills. That doesn't bring joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so this fruit, not fruits, we don't keep working on patience and hope that we'll get more patient and work on being happy, we could have more joy. No, they all come as a package deal with the crucifixion, with the turning aside from sin, by belonging to Jesus Christ, by being born of the Spirit so that we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. Oh, let me have a a workshop teaching on how to be more patient. It'll fill up. Let me do a workshop on, on how to be joyful. It'll fill up. But I'll guarantee you that in that workshop, there will be no teaching about repentance and crucifixion. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit 
That's the flower of the fruit of the Spirit. So John the Baptist comes saying, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Then verse 10, which is so terrifying. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit we cut down and thrown into the fire. So with all of your knowledge, with all of your skill with words, with all of your business acumen, with all of your accumulated information, where you now are lifted up and you believe you're somebody important. people fawn over you they say oh look what they look what they do look what they know the acts of Jesus is already at the root of your life and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire the only good fruit is the fruit of the spirit He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his weed into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now please tell me, are you the, are you the grain of God? Are you the wheat of God? Or you the chaff. If you have not been born from above, you're chaff. God wants to make you wheat. He wants to gather you into his barn. That is, he wants to take you to heaven. You're useful to him. I want you to read with me one more passage. Matthew, the third chapter. I'll begin with 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You notice it does not say, a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I have given all knowledge. No. God gave him his love. And he said, With him I'm well pleased. Have you heard God say to you that you're well pleasing to him? Have you honestly repented? Have you repented of your pride and your arrogance? Have you repented of all the wicked things that are found in your life? Have you turned and produced 
the fruit of righteousness. Love, joy, peace. That come as the Holy Spirit brings forth his fruit in your life. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire? For that's what Jesus, Jesus is known in the scripture as the baptizer. John came as the baptizer in water. Jesus came as the baptizer in fire in the Holy Spirit. There's nothing uglier than a man or woman who follows Jesus in the fire of their own flesh, in the desire of their own heart. They've never truly been born from above. This is why I have said to you today, please don't just tune this broadcast in for a few minutes and then leave. Let the Holy Spirit saturate you. Let him come and accomplish the task he has in your life. Let him come and and speak kindly to you about what needs to change in your heart. The two big issues are unbelief and pride. Unbelief and pride. So today, what's your decision? What are you going to practice? As you've heard this message and the information included in it, you've heard that Jesus has an axe and it's already at the root of your life and that if you don't change and begin to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, that's pretty vital information. It may not look like that to you. You may be cranking on with your business and everything your life is about. How many times I've been called to do a funeral for a man or woman whose life was suddenly cut down unexpectedly, and they're gone. It's over. And now they face the judgment of God and they'll be cast into hell. So, taking the information that I've shared with you, and now to take that information and begin to meditate on it, reading the first chapter of John, reading the third chapter of Matthew. One person who was basically unchurched, irreligious, unsanctified, came and began to listen. And then they would take the message after it was completed, and from the outline they'd made as they listened for the full hour, they would then go through all of the scriptures again and they would pray about each part. And they would ask the Holy Spirit to bring enlightenment to their heart and to give them what they should repent of. It was my joy to watch this person grow in the Spirit of God. And then one day I had to do that person's funeral. 
and what a change in them. One of the most godly people I've ever known. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. I would love to have you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. That's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can go on our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I check every day the PayPal. I would love to see some offerings coming in to cover this month's radio so we don't have a crisis at the end of the month. And I want to thank each one of you who has given so generously. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Thank you. Write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you as you meditate on this word, as you let it soak deep into your soul. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Jesus Christ.